Yay, in three, two, one. Welcome, loyal Close. listeners. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, damn it. <laughs> so I was cleaning my toilet before we started, and it got splashed back on me, and there's nothing worse than getting toilet water splashed back on you. <laughs> you realize I think I now know what clip I'm using for the cold open. Set your phases to sexy. to another episode of True North Nerds! Yay! In this episode, we are going to be doing the news and reviewing Artemis Fowl. Was it good or was it foul with an OU? That's terrible. That was was worthy of frying, that one was. Yes, it was. Congratulations. (laughs) Roll reversal today. (laughs) Speaking of which, with us this episode is Ryan. That's me. Kevin. Yeah, that's me. And Jen. That's me. Usually. Usually. And her mic works. Yay! Yay, my mic works. Stupid mic. Technology's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so we start this episode like we start every episode with a look at the news. And I think there's going to be a chunk of it that's going to be pretty fucking horrible. And then we'll go into some good stuff at some point. Ryan, what do you got for us this week? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about, Brent. Horrible news? I don't report on horrible news. Oh, I might okay. not, I, might I guess have... I'm going to be the one talking about the horrible news then. <laughs> I, I, I might have left that off my list, and I might be throwing to Brent on that. But anyway. Um... <laughs> Ryan only reports the good news. Yep. And I have to give credit to my news assistant this week, uh, Rex. Get that out of the way. Uh, he did send us a bunch of links before I got my news started, so I was very helpful. Thank you. Uh, I'm always willing to take people's links because it makes my life easier. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's start here. Uh, Cineworld. Remember Cineworld? They were buying Cineplex. Uh, we reported on that months ago. Uh, apparently that takeover, which was a $2.8 billion, with a B, dollar takeover, is off. Uh, Cineworld says Cineplex breached the deal Mm -hmm. without giving any kind of actual uh, details on what that breach was. Um, Cineplex has countered that's bullshit and that they feel it's buyer's remorse uh, in that, you know, all the movie theaters pretty much ever since this merger started uh, have been shut down because of COVID. And they figure between, uh, you know, the merger and taking on that extra debt and the, you know, the, the, the being shut down because of COVID, that they're having buyer's remorse and looking for any excuse they can get to get out of the deal, even though there was a clause in the deal uh, that spoke of pandemics and that it wasn't a reason for breaching the deal. So uh, I think I'm pretty sure there's a countersuit coming and uh, there'll be more to this story in the months to come. Uh, ooh, Spotify has a new podcast deal 
that will allow it to make narrative shows around DC Comics characters like Batman and Harley Quinn. They announced mm-hmm. a multi-year first look licensing deal with Warner Media. So I'm guessing this will be more like along the lines as the uh, like the Marvel ones that we've gone on about before, and yeah, the radio play style stuff. So I'm always excited for something new to listen to. Yeah, I love a good audio drama too. So I'm excited that they're using some DC characters as well. Yeah, that that should be fun. Uh, oh, we got trailers. New trailers. Uh, Netflix gave us uh, a trailer for a show called War- The Warrior Nun. It's a comic book adapt- uh, adaptation. Anybody else watch this? No. Um, I I did see it. I was a little surprised to see this because that's a that's a comic that comes out of like the heyday of like the late eighties, early nineties boom. Oh, that old, eh? Oh. Yeah, it's. I, I think it's come and gone a couple times. Like, it's it's creator owned, but oh, okay. it, you know, it's one of those things that like I was surprised to see out of all the comics being adapted, that was one of them. <laughs> I don't know that comic at all. Me neither. No, it looks interesting. Like they're. Uh women and their their warriors and their nuns so there you go they'll be fighting evil uh so that's coming to netflix uh also um season two of doom patrol will be coming to uh, dc universe and hbo max june 25th and in a strange occurrence it will also be coming to uh ctv uh, ctv sci-fi at the same time I hate that so, name, CTV Sci-Fi. Yeah, I almost wanted yeah. to call it CTV Space. Or, um, I believe it is also going to be premiering the same day. So uh, we won't be, or at the very least, it's a week delay. But uh, So fans of Doom Patrol will be able to see Season 2. They're not going to have to wait and worry about getting spoiled. Oh, that's good. Uh, which makes me wonder if they'll be doing that with other DC stuff moving forward. If we'll have to, you know, like we had to wait all that time for uh, uh, Titans when it came out, and we had to wait for Young Justice when it came out. But like, wait now, like Harley Quinn, it's pretty much out. If we see that on TV the same weekend, I think, as it's released on HBO Max, and if you have if you have Adult Swim, that is. But uh, mm. uh, anyway, uh, ooh, new Star Wars game. We're starting now. This is that time of year when it should have been like E3, uh, E3, and we should be getting ready for you know starting to hear spoilers for upcoming Comic Con stuff. And uh, so, so with the Sony, the big Sony announcements the other day, uh, EA, yeah, that's who's got the Star Wars license, uh, put out a new trailer for Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, it's going to be a five on fl- five flight combat game. Um, from the trailers, uh, it looks pretty cool. It takes place post uh, episode six, and uh, I think there's actually going to be capable to play it in VR if you have a VR setup on Ooh. the new systems or on a that PC. So, yeah, uh, from what I've seen, it's uh, I, th- I don't know if you can change your view, but at the very least, it's a, a first-person view, so like in the cockpit, which I always find those flight 
games a little more a little more difficult when you're in the cockpit. I'd rather be that third person view, like outside and see my ship. Um, I'll be interested in playing it because while well, it's a new Star Wars game, probably won't be getting it when it first comes out because new games are expensive. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Uh, some news. Uh, Canadian uh, studio. I'm going to butcher this name. Copernicus. Oh, there I said it right. Copernicus Studios Inc. <laughs> uh, announced a development deal to adapt Skull Kickers, uh, the comic series written by Jim Zub, illustrated by Edwin Juan and Chris Stevens. Uh, no, 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 Ryan, nope. Ryan. Yep. Friend of the show, Jim Zub. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> we can legit say that because he's been on twice now. There you go. So that's why it's in the news. Uh, so yeah, so they're adapting into an animated action uh, adult uh, the cartoon uh, series. Cool. That's what us adults need: are more cartoons. Yes. Mm, always. <laughs> uh, ooh, the YouTube original series Cobra Kai has a new home. Uh, Netflix won the bidding war for it, and uh, so now seasons one and two will be coming uh, to Netflix this year, uh, along with a season three later this year. I think I'm the only one that's seen this series. Yep. yep. I've heard nothing but good things about it. And that's I have nothing but good things to say about it. So when you see it on when it comes finally comes to Netflix and you get a chance to watch it, I highly recommend it. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, also coming to Netflix, something I'm waiting for, and oh, I, I think it coincides with me uh, having a day off, so I might be able to watch it. Uh, yeah. The Netflix Rooster Teeth produced Transformers War for Cybertron, uh, part one of the trilogy Siege, uh, will start on Netflix July 30th. Cool. Is it computer uh, animated? Uh, it's yes, yes. It's uh, it looks to be like it's in. I'd say it's probably computer animated. It's a very rough. Like, it's got a very gritty look. It's made to, very much in the light in the same style as what the, the actual figures that are coming out. That are, that you know they're kind of based hand. You know they go hand in hand. That's why the first one's called Siege. Uh, the second one will be uh, isn't uh, what's the the new latest toy line, Brent? Is it uh, something Earth? Uh, yeah, because it, well, they're Earth. all part of War of Cybertron, and then it's like yeah. Siege, and they've each got like a label to it, but they have yeah. like a a particular aesthetic to them for yeah. this one. So, so the Siege one is very much everything taking place like on Cybertron, so pre-Earth. The second one will be as it follows the toy line will be when they come to Earth. So then they have the more like the Earth vehicles, and then eventually there'll be a third, whatever that ends up being. Um, uh, it looks decent. I'm always interested in checking out a new Transformers cartoon. I'll at least, yeah, check it out. So, but I don't know is if because the thing I read it says it starts on July 30th. Mm-hmm. So, will it be a weekly release on Netflix, or will it be here it is like everything else on Netflix? That's an interesting question. Yeah, Netflix has been doing both. So, yeah. Uh, well, since we're on Netflix, Netflix Canada. Uh, has confirmed it will soon be adding 21 films from the Oscar-winning Japanese animation studio uh, company Studio Ghibli to its catalog. 
I know that you guys are excited about that. It's I am very exciting. Super excited. Because apparently I've seen all of those movies except for five of them. Really? Yeah. I, I'm kind of surprised you're missing out on five. <laughs> Some uh, of the new ones, Jen? I don't know if I, I got to find the list again and I can tell you which ones I'm missing. I think I've only maybe seen one or two of them. Really? Uh, so we did get some sad news this week. Uh, director Joel Schumacher passed away after uh, battling uh, after a year-long battle with cancer. Uh, he was 80 years old. Yeah. Every time that... I hear his... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. The thing that I find a little bit on the sort of sad part is for whatever reason, all the reports about him passing away all focus on the two Batman films that he made, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, which uh, I, I I don't like. They're, they're not particularly good. But he's got so many good movies that are not those two. Well, see, that's like, funny. Why, like, the first one I saw that posted about his death talked about, and the headline was direct, you know, director of Lost Boys, uh, and and uh, and something else that was like totally not Batman related, and I had to like, I had to think of it afterwards. I was like, why 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 does why do I think of that robot chicken sketch where they say he's the devil? <laughs> <laughs> but like he directed Lost Boys and mm-hmm. Phone Booth and Tigerland and. You know, it's he had such a really interesting and varied career that it seems like a shame that everybody's focusing on the fact that, like, he's the guy who put nipples on the bat suit. <laughs> yeah. And how much was that his decision or how much was that the decision of the powers of be, you know, or even just the costume designers? It was a bad movie to begin with. But so. you know, now, did he do Batman Forever? Yeah, you did yes, both. He did Batman's three and four. Okay, I actually like Batman Forever. It does have some crappy. Like it's not the best Batman movie ever. Was that the one with Mister Freeze? No, that's the Batman Forever is the one with Jim Carrey. As the yeah, oh, it's yeah, not amazing, that one but being too it, bad. Yeah, yeah, it's not terrible. It, didn't it was good go enough that they ripped the it way. off for uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah. But, uh, so you find your list, Jen? I did find the list. So Okay, hit us with the list. So there's 21 films that are going to be on. The one that is not is Grave of the Fireflies. Which oh. is sad. Which one's that? that? Oh, that it, one is sad. It's very, one. very sad. It's, it's, it's about the, so uh, the, like, it's Bombing about of the aftermath Hiroshima. of Hiroshima, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's two, two, two it's brothers? Two kids yeah, two kids who were trying I've, to survive. Yeah, in... I've seen that. Didn't know it was a studio Ghibli. Yeah. So yeah. I might have seen three movies then. <laughs> so do you want me to just read the list or just tell you the ones I haven't seen? Oh, just tell us the ones you haven't seen. Okay. Yeah. I have not seen Only Yesterday, which is in, from 1991. I have not seen uh, From Up on Poppy Hill from 2011. I haven't seen The Tale of Princess Ka- Ka- Kaguya. Which is a snow princess. Although I did take it out of the library, I just never got around to watching it. So I don't know if that counts. <laughs> no, <don't. laughs> if you haven't watched it, I haven't it seen it. Count. Uh, and I haven't seen when Marnie was there. Uh, and I also haven't seen. I don't think I saw The Wind Rises. Oh no, wait, I did see that one. Yeah, never mind. I saw that one. So yeah, I haven't seen. Only yesterday, 
from up on Poppy Hill, The Tale of Princess Kaguya, and When Marnie Was There. I think I've seen all the other ones. Oh, and I haven't seen Ocean Waves. Okay, so those are the five. <laughs> but of this whole list, like, they are all fantastic movies. Howl's Moving Castle is going to be my all-time favorite Ghibli, Ghibli movie. Uh, the Cat Returns is up there. Um, See, the Moving Castle one, I think, is one of the ones I've seen. Because that's one of the ones. Uh, it won an Oscar, didn't it? It was nominated for Oscar back before uh, there was a Best Picture. Uh, I animated. can't remember if. It, I don't know. Or did it, it at least got a North American release, right? Yeah, it did, yeah. because I was in university at the time, so I was living in yeah. London, Ontario, and uh, I went with my friend Amber to see it in London, and then we drove to Kitchener to watch it again. <laughs> so I, And oh. then when it was re-released last year, the year before here, I saw it again, so I've seen it three times in theaters. Yes, uh, <laughs> it was part of, I think it was released as part of the Miramax deal that was on at the time. The, yeah. the first one being Princess Mononoke, which did really oh, well. And then... Also good. Okay, so that's the other one that I might have seen. Those are the only ones that, that are names that ring a bell. I've seen yeah. one of those two. Don't ask me which one it was, because I don't remember <laughs> anything about it, uh, other than who I watched it with, but that's and, it. Yeah, the thing I really like about the Ghibli movies is that the the dubs of them, the translations, are really well done. So yeah. normally I'm a bit of a purist and I'm like, I got to watch it in Japanese with subtitles because well, you want to make sure that you get the tone. and the, you get The dubs done in the last 15 years are really well done. Yeah. You, you, uh, what was uh, Nausicaa called when it was first released? Do you remember, Kevin? I do not. No. Oh, Valley of the Wind. Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Isn't that what it's called? Nausicaa. Yeah, but it was... Yeah. It was released under like a North American name uh, by New World Pictures, the Roger Corman's film company, oh. and in like the early '80s, and it is awful. Like okay, in I'm comparison, talking about the recent ones. Um, yeah, well, like Disney, the, the, didn't Disney re- and John Lasseter have a hand in bringing yes. the new ones over, starting yeah. like Spirited Away? Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, essentially. Uh, Miyazaki wasn't going to allow it because of the experience that he had had with Nausicaa first being brought over and really butchered. He was like, okay, I'm done with North America. You watch it my way in Japanese or you get nothing. So uh, Lasseter, being a huge fan of his films, uh, talked him, helped talk him into it, and uh, we got it. But I, I think even before that, there were... That was part of the overall Disney deal, but there was a small deal with Miramax to re- release them, and they were fairly good translations. Like uh, mm-hmm. Princess Mononoke, Neil Gaiman worked on the the script, like the English script for it, mm-hmm. and and I believe he says to this day that like he really doesn't deserve the uh, credit that he got because it was like he was just doing what he was told via the translator like what would make sense so right so i'm gonna throw this out to anybody who's listening if you would like us to review any of the studio ghibli movies that are going to show up on netflix let us know and we will do a review of it (laughs) ryan will watch it (laughs) they're all good so i mean there's not like it's not like you're not going to like any of them well you might find them weird pom poco is the weirdest ghibli movie it was it was when it was first released in uh, 1985 in North America, it was edited into Warriors of the Wind. Yeah, so it, it's... I remember seeing it because uh, my friend Dave 
uh, that's how he got into anime is he rented it when he was a kid and fell in love with it. And even to this day, like he does like the, the real version, but he has like this weird sort of love for this butchered version. Cause it was the first one that he saw. Right. Yeah. I, I can get that. You mean you do kind of, that's, that's why I still have a soft spot in my heart for the original sailor moon dub, even though it's not great, but yeah. you know, you just that's what you grew up with, so you love it. All right, next in the news, Ryan. Next, okay, everybody, get your tinfoil hats out because we're diving deep into rumors. Already There's been got all it kinds. On. Okay, good. <laughs> so we've got all kinds of DCEU rumors this week, and it's yeah, all this around just came out Batman. Of nowhere, didn't they? Which Batman do you want to talk about first? The rumors of Jeffrey Dean Morgan playing Batman. The rumors of uh, Michael Keaton playing Batman. The rumors of um, Robert Pattinson, Michael Keaton, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan all showing up in the same movie as Batman. Well, you're you're doing the no the the news. Uh, so <laughs> you try and make sense of it for us, and then we'll chime in with our thoughts. Okay, so the so, uh, the first story I saw during the week was just it was the one that came out with. The, the on-again talks that Jeffrey Dean Morgan is going to play Thomas Wayne in the upcoming Flash movie where they do a, a take on Flashpoint. Uh, in the comic version of Flashpoint, the Flash goes back in time to save his mother from dying, which then changes uh, the future, of course, you know, because time travel, Tommy wobbly wobbly all that stuff. And uh, in that time uh, line... Instead of Bruce's parents dying in the alley, it was Bruce that gets killed. So then his father goes on to become a version of Batman. Uh, interestingly enough, in that same universe, his mother goes on to become a version of the Joker. Yeah. And I like uh, that idea. Yeah. And then, so That's they've already planted. Yeah. We've seen uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who would actually be a really good in that Thomas Wayne uh, Batman, like the way that the character is portrayed that like he could do that well because it's very close to like his Negan uh, from you know character in The Walking Dead. Uh, but he already played Thomas Wayne in Batman versus Superman when we once again got to see how Batman became Batman, right, Jen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's that rumor again, and then that one was quickly followed up by the Michael Keaton stories uh, that they've been talking to him about him coming back on and reprising his role as Batman from the 89 movie. Um, and that's where, so this is where things now really start getting all weird. So there's talk of him also showing up in, in the Flashpoint movie, and that now Flashpoint will be more of a Flash uh, traveling through the multiverse uh, through the, in this movie, which makes me think, that, okay, if they're going to do that, then they very, they very much they need to use that scene from the CW crisis where movie flash meets TV flash. Yeah. But maybe shot from a different angle. Yeah, like, exactly. They'll, like they'll just, recreate it. Yeah. Yes. They, they, but they need to use that. I think if they're going to do this multiverse thing, especially since he makes comments about how he told Vic that this was possible. And, uh, I think that would be smart of them to do that. If they were, to, if they're going this route, but what do I know? Then the talk is that either because of Flashpoint and how things change, 
that Michael Keaton could actually just become be signed on to replace Ben Affleck as Batman. And it's just going to be like, instead of Ben Affleck as Batman, oh, now he looks like Michael Keaton. And that he'll be Batman for multiple films and kind of play the role of Nick Fury, but for the, the DC Universe movies uh, and go along and collect more people to you know, fill out the Justice League. Uh, because we do remember at the end of Justice League, they do, you know, Batman and Wonder Woman, you see them walk into Wayne Manor. Uh, I assume it's Wayne Manor, but wherever they're building this fort, the, the new base, and they're talking about putting a round table in and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So they're set, that sets the stage for them to grow the league. Um, if there's that option, but then there's also the option of, that they've talked about now that the Flashpoint could change the universe enough that then the Robert Pattinson Batman, who is Wait, as we are, as it stands now, is its own Batman series outside of this continuity, much like yeah. that recent Joker movie, uh, could then also get incorporated into this DC universe proper. Because the Flash likes to break the time stream. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this could either be super cool or so confusing nobody's going to care and it will destroy DC movies from here on in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it'll do. I think I don't think it'll destroy DC movies from here on in. But I do think it's like this is the last shot at uh, a cohesive universe. You know what I mean? Like or at I think least Wonder a cohesive Woman, continuity. Yeah, yeah. I think Wonder Woman will stand on its own regardless. We've already yeah. kind of seen that. Uh, but it's I I don't know. I see a couple of options here that because I hadn't heard the the all three of them in the movie and my thought was is i have a sneaky suspicion that it's going to be it with this much shit floating around to me it sounds like uh keaton is doing like maybe an extended cameo as flash goes through the multiverse whereas uh uh jeffrey dean morgan will be the the thomas wayne batman but we see an older Michael Keaton Batman as the the primer for the Batman Beyond movie that we keep hearing rumors about as well. Mm. Like the this like kind of like the backdoor pilot. Like you know, if it gets a good enough reaction, they'll use him that way, and they've established a multiverse. And if you have him as Batman Beyond, then it's not really in in stupid executive logic. It's not confusing that way because there'll be much more science fiction and Batman with rocket packs and all that sort of shit. So uh, I could see that as kind of part of the thing. And then like what Ryan was saying is when everything's fixed and Barry's back, then it's Robert Pattinson is now Batman for wibbly wobbly timey wimey reasons. Yeah. And you know what? And so, like you said, like that one, I think is probably from a from us, you know, like a fan standpoint, probably their best choice. If, especially if they're using all three of them and they want to have something, like if they can find a way to incorporate and make it kind of make sense that Robert Pattinson's Batman, because part of the regular Batman of you know, the Bat, Bat or DC universe, then that's 
the way they need to do it is by doing having the Flash tweet something and the new continuity is this. It's either that or, you know, they just do the, the swap out and they swap out, you know, that, uh, Ben Affleck for Michael Keaton. And you have him play like, you know, I get an older Batman and just kind of, you know, recruiting other people as much as I'd, cause I, would, I would love to see a Batman Beyond starring Michael Keaton as Batman, like as Bruce Wayne mentor to, uh, to Terry McGillis, McGillis, McGinnis. Yeah. McGinnis. Ah, so close. Um, <laughs> you know, Ed talked about this. You know, he wrote a whole article about this years ago that still gets all kinds of hits on that website that he doesn't work for write for anymore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's a good idea, and he was a great Batman, and he's just a great actor. Yeah. So if you can get get him to be in the movie at all, that's a plus. Well, and swapping him out for Affleck isn't uh, a friend of mine messaged me and he's into the movie side of superhero stuff, not so much the comics. And he's like, what about the age difference? And I just looked it up. There's there's only 10 years between Affleck and uh, Keaton like there's and Keaton, to his credit, doesn't look 10 years older than Affleck does. No. You know, like he looks good for his age. And yeah. so I don't, but at the same time, I don't see him full on doing Batman at this point, especially no, since think, he's also got the vulture yeah. ready to go. You know, and he's, I, I don't seem like I, I can see him definitely as Bruce, the mentor. I don't see him in the cowl. Well, no, exactly. That's why I was thinking if you're going to bring him in, then yeah, this is your exit, your perfect time to then either bring in you know, Dick as Batman, or even just have him be Nightwing and be part of the team, or you know, you start bringing in Damien. So interesting tidbit I came when I came up with with while looking up Michael Keaton. Apparently, in his Batman contract. He had negotiated uh, breaks uh, within the filming in case because he's a lifelong uh, Pittsburgh resident and sports fan in case the Pittsburgh Pirates made the playoffs. (laughs) Now, he didn't have to exercise that those clause because he didn't. They they didn't ultimately make it to the series. But (laughs) I just thought like, oh, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) That is. That's funny. Before we leave the topic of DC movies, did you guys see any of the articles about Black Adam and Shazam 2? There's been a lot of talk about those movies. Um, no, I didn't see well. any postings. Please share. Yeah, I read an article. I, I read an article. I wish I could find the link right away, but uh, there was an interview with The Rock and how it sounds like uh, Black Adam and Shazam 2 will be filmed back to back because they need to film Shazam 2 quickly before the kids get too old. It's already yeah. been a couple of years since the yeah. last Shazam movie. Uh, but uh, it sounds like they're all pretty high on the concept they have for for these two films, and it'll it almost will make a trilogy: Shazam, Black Adam, Shazam Two. Oh, cool! Well, I it's hope not a do bad it. way of doing it if they can pull that off. The the thing that I would think would be the hardest is the Rock schedule, right? Like Zachary Levi's got a couple things going on, but like I'm sure his schedule is like 
you know, The Rock well, has a t- like a t- like a TV show that he's hosting. He has one that he stars in. He has one that he's producing about his life. He has Hobbs and Shaw too. He has Black Adam. You know, like it's it, right. his. Well, he's he's often said, I don't think he sleeps. He is a producer on Black Adam, so. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a and, Hobson shot too. Eventually, oh, it, I'm sure it, there will be. Definitely in the works. It made too much money not to. Awesome. And the other thing about um, Shazam <laughs> two, or it could be in Black Adam that Henry Cavill will show up as Superman in at least one of those two films. That's yes. one of the one of the movies that uh, is part of this this deal that I think we talked about on the last episode, where Cavill will show up in a bunch of DC movies, but not a Superman film. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw another headline today where they did an interview. He's he says he, he looks forward to, to he looks he's looking forward to being Superman for years to come. So, mm. oh, that's good. Next, next, uh, do 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 do. I bounced around on my list here. Uh, <laughs> ooh, so uh, so we talked about the uh, the what, what Comic Con's doing now since it's canceled. They're going to be doing the Comic-Con at home, mm-hmm. uh, right? Yeah. The online thing. So mm-hmm. Disney has actually started announcing some of their panels for Comic-Con at home. Uh, they're going to have panels for shows uh, like uh, The Simpsons, uh, Stumptown, Family Guy, Bob's Burgers, and uh, then they had, there's a, a list of other cartoons that I'd never heard of and didn't know, know so I didn't write them down. But uh, there's a bunch of stuff. So that's, people are starting to announce what the going to be offering for this uh, online for everyone option of, of Comic-Con. So that should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And DC started the setup like they're doing like a virtual sort of setup where you'll be able to tour like a virtual version of their booth as well as see trailers and things like that and uh, pre-recorded panel stuff. It's Is that what the DC Universe thing that they're in? It was like, I saw like a little diagram. It was a picture with like little sections of what they different you know kids area and movie and i, I saw like a i picture believe and I so look into it now it, it's okay. not strictly coming out with comic-con like i believe it comes out in august but it's this similar kind of idea and and you know it's it, ryan and i have already found that we're getting bombarded with uh what would have been san diego comic-con toy exclusives uh, oh mm. yes all right, next, Ryan. Uh, we got park news. Mm-hmm. So uh, my my park news is so the coalition of resort, a labor union, uh, has announced that they're going to do be holding a protest parade uh, this Saturday as we record. So it'll be this past Saturday when this airs. Uh, they'll be driving around uh, Disneyland. So this is out in California. Uh, this union represents uh, 17,000 Disney employees. Uh, their thing right now is they don't feel that it's safe for the for Disney to be opening the parks yet out there, and uh, yeah, so they're just they're concerned for their 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 union members and looking to keep things shut down until you know we deal with COVID better, but. Uh, what are they doing out in Florida, though, Kevin? So in Florida, the parks open in a couple of weeks. And 
right now you you have to have a hotel reservation in order to make a reservation to get into the park. You need to make a, a park reservation. They've canceled fast pass and all dining reservations and you have to have a reservation to get into the park. Now their system went up on Monday this week and immediately pretty much crashed. It was overwhelmed by the number of people trying to make their park reservations. When it comes to the cast members, they have 70 between 70 and 80,000 people work at Walt Disney World. And there has been an online petition that appears to have been started by some cast members that is petitioning the, the company to not open the parks. Um, it, I don't know if you've been following the numbers, but Florida is a hotbed of COVID right now. And oh, yeah. uh, it's, it's not a place that I'm anxious to travel to anytime soon. So the, the petition as it stands has about 4,000 signatures on it uh, the last time I checked which isn't a huge percentage of the people who work at the parks. And there's not even any guarantee that all the people who signed this petition are Disney cast members. Um, but as it stands right now, Magic Kingdom and um, Animal Kingdom are going to open on July 11th. Epcot and Hollywood Studios on the 15th. Um, but I know I've read stories of people who have hotel stays of up to two weeks booked. So they have 14 days worth of hotel reservations and we're only able to get between two and three days of park reservations. So there's a lot of bugs in the system because it's a brand new system. Um, there has been a list released of all the attractions that will be open, which means that there's also a list of the attractions that are not reopening with the park. And it's a lot of things like indoor shows, um, fireworks, parades, um, things like that. Um, so it's an interesting time to be a fan of the Disney theme parks. Um, because it's an interesting time for the Disney theme parks. When it comes to Universal, I just read an article today that they're laying off several hundred uh, employees at Universal oh, really? Florida. Yeah. And those parks have been open since the beginning of June. So I don't know what exactly is happening there if the number of guests that they're allowing to the parks isn't actually covering the cost of running the parks. That might make sense that they need to trim the fat. But... Um, yeah, I, I as much as I want to go to the parks, uh, I'm not going until all of this is fully settled, and that's going to mm. be a while. Yeah. yeah. Plus, like one of the biggest markets for the East Coast Disney parks is New York. So, and right now, people who come into Florida from New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut have to quarantine for 14 days before they can do anything in the park. And then just the other day, the state of New York says, if you go to Florida, you have to quarantine yourself when you get home for 14 days, because Florida is a hotbed of COVID. So if mm. you are taking a one week vacation to, to Disney world, you need to book five weeks of vacation time from your employer to cover all the quarantine as well. It's And that's why we're not traveling. Well, that and the so, border's closed, so we can't go anyway. So here, just to give some perspective on how many cases are currently happening in Florida. Uh, so I found a, a, stat, uh, a nice chart here from the New York Times. Uh, and it's updated to June 23rd. Uh, June 23rd, the number of new cases of COVID that were reported in Florida, 3,286. Um, our our new case count in Ontario right now is hovering around 200. 
Yeah, I saw an article, and I'm not sure where, so I could be misquoting, but I saw an article a little while ago that said that the number of deaths by COVID in the States has now is now higher than the number of deaths caused by World War One. So more mm-hmm. people have now died of COVID than they died during World War One. Yeah. In the States. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's just... You don't want to harp on the the idea of like, oh, they're opening too soon because you know maybe we are too. But like, it's I, the, just today there was a report, uh, as we've mentioned a couple times on this show, uh, the WWE is apparently an essential sport in Florida, so they've been running the entire time. And yeah. there is uh, reports that several of uh, their performers and like crew have tested positive like this week yeah like several as in like a couple including at least one in ring performer which yeah, means that there's one there's probably going to be more well on top of everything else at the Walt Disney World parks both the NBA and Major League Soccer are supposed to be starting play at the Wide World of Sports Complex in July mm-hmm. so um They've, uh, they, I've heard reports of what hotels the NBA players are staying at, and depending on how well your team does, that that lets you know which which hotel you're staying at. Um, really? Yeah. So if you're yeah. at the bottom of the league, you get to be in the COVID hotel. Well, no, <laughs> they're, they're going to keep all the all the teams at three hotels. Um, the top tier teams are staying at. Funnily enough, not the top tier hotel, but one of the newest hotels. The um, the Grand Destino Tower at Coronado Springs. The second tier groups will be staying at the Grand Floridian, which is really Disney's flagship hotel. And the third tier teams will be staying at the Yacht Club, which is near Epcot. And that has the best pool at Walt Disney World. So everybody's getting something fairly nice. But um, yeah, I, I've heard that the players aren't all, all, aren't all that excited about um, moving to Florida. For a well, month. no, they're going to be well, yeah, this, living in multiple months. The other uh, thing, the other thing about those three hotels is they all have convention centers with with breakout rooms that are large enough to actually put a basketball court in, so that the teams can practice separately at their hotels in the convention center. That's interesting. Uh, The one thing I see is it takes one player to get it, and I'll scrap the entire season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, right? Like it's. They're going to be they're supposed to be quarantined and living in a bubble. So really, it's going to be, I guess, come down to, you know, who's working in within that bubble, like the yep. outside people, because they're all supposed to be being tested and quarantined before they get there, mm. and have to show that they're clear before they can go. They they go, but uh, and then you know that's why they're at these resorts and these things in these areas where they can pretty much control who comes and who goes. But, you know, now you think of the players, it's like, yeah, it sucks. Well, it's like, oh, poor million-dollar, millionaire players. Oh. But now they're stuck in these hotels uh, for possibly up, you know, possibly three months if yeah. their team makes it all the way to the finals. Um, living <clears throat> in these hotels where all they can do is whatever access whatever restaurants or whatever stores or whatever facilities that the NBA has been able to put aside that the, only they're the only ones going to. So it could be, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, they're stuck at a really nice resort, 
So it's not like they're, you know, it's not going to be, they're going to be super hard up, but you know, they will be away from their families for that time. And, but who knows? It'll be interesting to see how it all uh, shakes out. Yeah. And, uh, okay, Brent, now it's your turn. (laughs) Okay. So, um, this is, this is where we go into some of the unhappy stuff before we go into the, uh, fun review of Artemis Fowl. Uh, so starting a, it would have been two weeks, uh, from when this podcast gets released, uh, reports on Twitter of misconduct against, uh, comic book artist and creator Cameron Stewart came out. And, uh, basically that led a little bit of an opening to, of floodgates of other creators also being named, uh, I'm I'm not going to get into all the allegations because I I I say that they're allegations to cover our legal butts because we uh, nobody's been arrested and nobody's been charged, but I think it's safe to say that uh, we believe the women that are speaking out about this and in Cameron Stewart I've heard joking rumors about for years, so the fact that there are allegations about him that also kind of tracks. Um, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but like other names that popped up on this list were guys like Warren Ellis was also popped up on the list, Mm. who is one of my favorite writers. And it's like, but dude, like there, there's a lot of evidence against him sort of taking advantage of multiple women, uh, for his own personal gain and, while some of it isn't strictly illegal, a lot of it is very, very creepy and should not be happening and is harassment of various sorts. So well, if you want more details, you can go and look at that. But that was followed up by uh, two days later, a British wrestler named David Starr was accused of something very similar. And he came out with a really, really horrible denial about it basically saying that uh, he uh, he doesn't remember it the same way that the woman in question did, and that opened the the absolute floodgates on British wrestling, and so many people got named that I cannot even try to list them here, but it also spewed over into WWE contracted talent, and, and a couple people with uh, AEW, and a couple people with Impact, there's been a lot of people fired over this, and rightfully so. But it's, you know, the, the main point to get out of this is if you see something like this, uh, stand up against it. And if you are the one of the targets of this kind of harassment and assault and things like that, you know, tell somebody about it because it, 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 shit needs to change comics wrestling everything else you know it's and it doesn't it unfortunately it doesn't change if people aren't actively aware of it and knowing about it to try and change it so okay there is so. one more piece of news that's good okay can we let's end go with that with the yeah there was a new trailer today for the new disney plus series muppets now and it oh has, i haven't seen it yet it's very oh, yeah. funny it's kermit and, and an otter who's Jim from Legal who keeps telling Kermit he can't say anything because because they haven't announced they haven't announced anything yet so Kermit can't say anything. 
So Jim <laughs> from Legal is yeah. It's uh, it it looks to be fun. It looks to be done on Zoom. Some of it, uh, and uh, yeah. So look for that. I did put a link on our Facebook page, and uh, you can yes, find you it. Yes, you did. On- I just I just saw it there. Yeah, it's yeah. a six episode season. Yay! I'm excited for new Muppets. And it yeah. starts July 31st. I really liked the last one with Miss Piggy having her own late night talk show. I thought that that was a good one. I liked that show. I was, was a little different. sad that it. I like. I was sad that it got canceled. So, um, some of the people that we saw in the um, in the trailer at, like, that are guest stars included. Linda Cardellini, Tay Diggs, Aubrey Plaza, Seth Rogen, and RuPaul. Awesome. So, yeah. And there were explosions and Swedish chef things. And it looked like a Diet Coke and Mentos experiment from Dr. Bunce and Honeydew. So, <laughs> so, yes, Muppets Now. Let's look forward to something. Yes. <laughs> Which brings us to our review of Artemis Fowl. Yeah. Based on the the book by how do you how do you pronounce it, Jen? Ian Coffer. Um, it's uh, the first in a series of books. And Maybe. this was supposed to be the first in a series of movies. Um Maybe. Jen Well no, there, there are multiple books, Ryan. Yes. They're already yes. written. Yes. There are. Uh, no, one... I thought you were sitting. I thought I threw in my maybe too early. I thought you were going to uh, say this was the first in a possible movie series. Oh, it's definitely set up that way, but I don't oh, think yeah. another one. Yeah, there's eight books, and um, apparently there's like a Nintendo DS game, and there's a graphic novel series. Um, Jen, are yeah. you very familiar with them? Have you read any of them? I know I have... that you were involved with children or stuff at the library when you were there yeah so this book came out in 2001 Mm -hmm. uh when i was uh i wasn't working as a librarian quite yet but it was popular when i was working my early years as a children's librarian um the book i didn't i haven't read the book i don't think i may have read the first one but if i did it was a very long time ago and i don't remember it um i believe that it's geared towards it says young adult, but I probably would gear it towards 12 to 13 year old just because Artemis Fowl is a 12 year old. Uh, so I looked up a synopsis of the novel and it is not really at all like the movie we watched. Okay. <laughs> so here, I'll read you a little bit of the synopsis off of Wikipedia and then you can let me know if you think this sounds like the movie we saw. Okay. So here's the synopsis of the first book. Artemis Fowl II is a 12-year-old prodigy who has dedicated his life to criminal activities. He leads the Fowl Criminal Empire, which has existed in his family for generations. After significant research, Artemis believes that he has confirmed the existence of fairies. He identifies an alcoholic sprite posing as a healer in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, and travels there with his bodyguard, Butler, to obtain from her the Book of the People, the fairy holy book that is written in Gnomish. Meanwhile, Captain Holly Short, an elf in the Lower Elements Police, is tracking a rogue troll that has managed to reach the surface of the Earth from Haven City, thousands of feet underground. Assisted by the technically-minded Centaur Foley and L.E.P. Recon, Leprechaun, Commander Julius Root, she incapacitates the troll. 
I'm not going to read the whole thing, but that's just the beginning of what the beginning of the <laughs> synopsis. So that is yeah. not other the movie than, we saw. Other than no. there being some characters that are the same, yeah, that sounds like a much more interesting movie. So what happens? I'll, I'll, I'll you know, summarize the synopsis. Unless you want to go to Wikipedia and read it, Artemis kidnaps uh, Holly, which happens in the movie. They don't become friends. So Artemis decodes the book, it says, and he learns that there's a ritual that fairies use to replenish their magic. And then when Holly comes to replenish her magic, he kidnaps her. Then he demands from the fairy world a ransom of 24, a ton of 24 karat gold, which he wants to use to rebuild his family fortune. Um, Meanwhile, Holly is kidnapped this whole time. So then the fairies attack the city with the kleptomaniac dwarf Malt Diggums who was played by Josh Gad in the movie. Um, and this whole time, it seems like Holly is still a captive. She's not friends. So Mulch finds the book that Artemis had taken, the book of the people. Um, I'm skimming ahead again. There's that guy who was a jerk in the movie, who apparently is a jerk in the book too, but it doesn't seem like he's even a main character. Cudgeon? Uh, yeah, was like- Briar Cudgeon. I don't even understand the, why he was a jerk in the movie. I thought he was says, working for the bad guy. Well, no, other than that. He probably is. It says the fairy council decides that nothing is working, promotes a lieutenant called Briar Cudgel to acting commander, temporarily usurping Julia's route. And then Holly escapes from her cell, regains her magic, joins the attack. <laughs> and then eventually there's a big attack. The troll goes in, blah, blah, blah. Kermidjan loses his position because... Um, the troll destroys the attack. Really, see the troll didn't work. Artemis is finally granted the ransom of one ton of twenty-four karat gold, and he asks Holly for a wish to cure his mother's insanity. So she's apparently still alive in this, and the movie implies that she's been dead for a while. Uh, so Holly grants him the wish, but at the cost of half the gold. <laughs> so like they're not really friends of this whole thing, and I mean, and then they all survive, and at the end it says. Butler demands an explanation as to how Artemis came up with the idea that it took for him to leave, blah, blah, blah. And then he uses Artemis's mother has fully recovered thanks to Holly's magic. So, like, was any of that in the movie, barely? Like, any of it? No, <laughs> Holly got none. captured. Even the, the central, like, the central thing of the, the what's it called, the Oculus, the, the Artemis, yeah. the... the it's the magical Aculos. It was the yeah. Aculos. And oh, uh, Artemis well, Fowl's well, father is not meant. I mean, I'm just going off the synopsis that could very well be in. Yeah, the, yeah. that's very true. So, um, uh, well, just the fact that I guess he's supposed to be this criminal mastermind. Yeah, he's a so a pain in the ass student that's too good yeah. to just work for his own good. Yeah. So when when we. We started watching this movie and Brent asked me the same question. He's like, have you ever read the books? Do you know what it's about? And I'm like, I've not read the books, but it's about a kid who's a criminal genius. That was the big sell. And he's definitely a genius in this. But he's not a criminal. No. There's talk that his father may be a criminal. There was like a news report. That yeah. Said, oh, well, my gosh. Artemis Fowl may be a criminal. Yeah. That but was it, it. even that, it's like. You know, we discover that he's not a criminal. It's the outside world kind of thinks he is, but yeah. he's in fact like a protector, like a, 
a cop between the realms sort of thing. Yeah, they so. really make him a hero. Like in this one, it's like Artemis Fowl leads the Fowl Criminal Empire. <laughs> so it's not uh is he isn't he? He definitely is. And that I remember was a big selling point for when I was trying to get kids to read because they were sick of the goody two shoes hero and I would be like, Well, this guy's a criminal genius, and they'd be like, Oh, I want to read that. Yeah. So, like, that's how I would sell it, even though I hadn't read it. Or I did. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like this movie is a prequel to that book in parts. Well, it took a couple elements from but it. Took, yeah. but, well, it took what, a lot of elements from it. Yeah, but, like, drunkenly was told. Yeah, it's like of the book and then you went off and wrote it. Yeah. Wrote the movie based off of that. So, so, yeah, let's go, I had a let's lot of questions the, at the end. <laughs> Yeah, let's go around the table here. We'll start with Ryan, because Ryan had the best quote in our chat about <laughs> this movie. DVD box quality quote. Oh, you guys, you want me to put that in, in recording? Okay. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, I do, because it was that good. Uh, let me see if I remember it correctly. It's not shit, but it's not great either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I watched it. I was entertained by it. I actually expected more from it. Like, it, if this was a TV series, this would be the bubble episode where they were trying to save on budget by having everybody, everything take place in one spot. Yeah, I expected this movie to be much more of a globe trotting, either like between our world and their world, or like all this stuff, not just yeah. It all takes place in their was. house. Yeah. It's a nice house. It's a beautiful house. But, yeah. It's... Sorry. And, yeah, no, so, no. No. Clearly, I'm not the uh, target audience for this movie, age-wise, for sure. But, uh, you know, this, it kind of makes me think, like, I'm just thinking, that had the first Harry Potter movie come out right now, without us having any other Harry Potter exposure um, how would we feel about that movie? Yeah, I actually argued that a little bit with Jen last night. Well, not argue, but like uh, maybe that's part of the pro problem in some ways with this film is it is a aimed at the same sort of age group. It's a young adult book, more on the young side, but the Harry Potter films were created with such care that we we live in a post Harry Potter world when it comes to this stuff, and the, the, this doesn't match up. Yeah. I think I think the biggest difference between Harry Potter and Artemis Fowl, based on these movies, is that in Harry Potter the characters are likable. Yeah. I Artemis Fowl Junior is not a likable character, and if he's going to be your hero, I'm sorry, but I don't care. He's a little asshole, and I just wanted to slap him. <laughs> his his so-called friends are only there because they're being paid to be there, Butler and Butler's niece or something. Like, niece. Juliet was a character that had no character development at all. She yeah. was just sort of there and running about and needing to be saved quite often. Yeah, um, apparently she's her, his best friend in the books. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get that at all. No, like the movie opened with 
Artemis being lectured by his guidance counselor at his school, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. And he just had this, I'm too smart and too cool for this attitude. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't like you. I don't like you. And I don't really care what happens to you. I thought Colin Farrell was actually quite good because usually he plays sort of brash assholes. But he, he I liked him as a caring dad. Yeah, uh, so did yep. I. Um, so I liked Colin Farrell. Judy Dench phoned it in. Like, she's like, somebody's <laughs> giving me a lot of money for this movie. I'll put on some pointy ears and talk like, uh, talk like Batman. Talk um, like I've had cigarettes for the past 800 years. Yeah. Um, and then the, the whole framing device with the dwarf that Josh Gad was playing being interviewed by some shadowy government agency that we never found out about. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What was the point of that? Why? That, yeah. That was one of my questions. So at the end of this movie, I sat down and wrote a list of questions that I had after watching this movie. And one of them was, who was who was Josh Gad telling the whole story to and why? If the premise of the movie is we must keep the fairy realm a secret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. And then the Aculos. Well, you should have just called it the MacGuffin. The like, MacGuffin just device. Thing. Yeah, the magical thing. Easter egg. Yeah. yeah, and we don't know anything about the Opal, the person who kidnapped his father in the first place. Like, yeah. we know nothing, and there was no direct confrontation between Artemis Fowl Jr. and Opal, or even any of the Leprechaun police force and Opal. That mm. plot is just like, okay, that's for Artemis Fowl too. We gotta leave that plot thread dangling. Yeah, I'm so like. The threat wasn't even a threat because they didn't even have to face her. Her? No. I think it's a her. Him? I don't know. I'm like, apparently is it... Opal doesn't show up till the second book. Um, I was like, is this really Holly's father? I don't know. No, Holly's father is a is a hero. Okay, but the, the but the fairies don't see that. I just didn't care. There was just a lot of telling me things that I was supposed to care about and not enough showing me things that I was supposed to care about. And this movie makes me more and more angry the more I think about it. <laughs> what okay. Did, what so. did you call the uh, the 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 giant dwarf? How, how did you refer to him to the we were talking? I don't know. What did I say? I don't remember. Didn't, didn't you say you weren't happy with him the, with the uh, the knockoff? Uh, oh, knockoff Hagrid. Hagrid. Yeah. That's the first thing I said because he she's like the first character that shows up. I'm like, hey, look, they're arresting Hagrid. Yeah, that's and you know, <laughs> you know, with that, that's like, I I haven't read the books. I will assume that was like how he's written in the books because. And they wanted to stay true to something in it because if not, like, why didn't they do something different with him to differentiate him from Hagrid? Yeah. Like, give him a mohawk, or you know, like, if you don't even have to do that much, hang to, on, let me change it. So, so keep going. The, for me, this film, um, it just like I was amazed when I saw Kenneth Branagh's name was attached to it. Mm. I guess he is 
he's about due for another set of Shakespeare movies and he needs the money. (laughs) His last movie was great. His last movie was Murder on the Orient Express. He does make great director. He does make really pretty movies. I will say I thought the film was gorgeous and I mostly watched it on my phone and thought that it still looked great. It has. Okay, so here's my argument against it. I thought it was shot really, really well. But I wondered where the money went because like the the fairy costumes all look like they got peeled out of a Power Rangers episode somewhere along the line. Like like the the effects just look not good. And I was astounded when I looked it up. Okay, so you need to do what I did and watch it on a six inch screen. Yeah, maybe (laughs) while you're looking that up, I'll just jump in and say in the book, as far as I can tell. The dwarf that was played by Josh Gad Mulch is a regular sized dwarf. They call him an expert burglar and a kleptomaniac, but and very flatulent. But apparently, he's a regular sized dwarf. So they just called him a giant dwarf, so they didn't have to CGI him shorter. And Probably give up and to make some jokes. Well, yeah. even all the fairies were human sized too. Yeah. Yeah. Now uh, I've talked about this with Jen already, but so this movie was supposed to get made when the book came out. Like, it's been in developmental hell since uh, 2003. By, by Miramax. It was Weinstein um, yeah. bought the rights to it. That's how Disney ended up with it. Yeah, so um, we we keep going on, uh, well, I keep going on and on about how the first Harry Potter movie, which I'm not a huge fan of that first Harry Potter film. Like, uh, I, I like it, but it's not my favorite out of the lot. But that movie just looks gorgeous, and the effects and everything is treated really, really well. So that movie came out in 2001, like when the the first book of this came out, right? So we are now uh, 19 years later, so 18 when this movie went into production. Yeah, The budget for this movie is the almost the exact same according to Wikipedia as that first Harry Potter film. 125 million. And I want to know where it went. <laughs> Cuz I didn't honestly, see it on screen, yeah. especially in comparison. I honestly think that if they had made this movie back in anywhere between 2001 and 2014 when the last book came out, it probably would have it would have done better because that was the the height of its popularity. But now, I mean, it's geared to 12-year-olds. So if you were 12 when this book came out in 2001, you're 31 now. You probably don't <laughs> care anymore. You don't You don't care. <laughs> you read this book when you were a kid, and you're like, eh, it was good. Unless you're like a devout fan. But the thing is, is that Artemis Fowl, the book series, as good as it was, and I did recommend, I do recommend it for 12-year-olds, it didn't have the same kind of following that Harry Potter did, where you have the adult roles and you have, um, like, it didn't become the phenomenon that Harry Potter was. So a Harry Potter movie that's made now, even though the books are so old, is different because you still have the momentum that's been continuing for years. But, I mean, not, who knew that this was a book before this movie came out besides fans of the book and librarians? Like, nobody probably even heard of an Artemis Fowl. You know, it's, it is a title that I had heard. But I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's definitely not to belittle the book because, as I said, 
it was it's a great book and it always came highly recommended by the kids who read it. Yeah. Whereas <clears throat> this movie is a piece of crap. I like, did see it's on... not horrible, but it definitely ain't great. It was a good well, movie. No, no, get the through. quote right. It's not shit, but it's not great. Yeah. Remember, that's the quote. On uh, Disney Insider, <laughs> on Disney Plus a week or so ago, there was a behind-the-scenes little featurette with the author visiting the set, and he was very excited about how, how much Foul Manor felt like what he wrote about in his book. But I can't imagine the author saying how how shitty Disney had treated his story um, on a Disney um, uh, a Disney marketing machine program. So Especially if the book series is already finished. And now it's looking for he's looking for a new revenue stream for it. He's not yeah. going to say shit. Yeah. Well, I, contractually I speaking, he probably can't for a couple of years. Exactly. Okay, I, here's the. Go no, ahead, Kev. I was going to say I think that the 10 million people who subscribe to Disney Plus are going to watch it, and that's probably more people than we'd have paid to see it in the theater. Yeah. No. That's, definitely. That's I, where I was going to go with my next question. So, if this was still, if this had been opening in theaters last weekend. And we decided to go see it in the theaters. What do you think oh. your review? Would you have been happy leaving after paying? Oh no. no, no! Especially if this was like in 3D or something too to boot is like. I think I, this movie would have been possibly would have been number one the first weekend, but it would have died right off. I think the numbers were like fell fell through the floor the second. Uh, depends I, what was supposed to come out against it. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. Who, who, I don't who, even who know if it would have done that well. Because last year, Disney released A Wrinkle in Time, which is the same kind of thing. Beloved YA novel nobody, that starred Oprah Winfrey. And nobody cared. Nobody went. Oh, I watched that movie. It was boring. The yep. year before, there was The Nutcracker and the Four Realms. The oh, I other, watched that too. Yeah, these are Disney Disney movies based on beloved children's stories or you know or original stories. And uh, as much as I harp on Disney for not having an original bone in their body lately, doing doing animated remakes and Star Wars sequels and Marvel films, that's all these days. Maybe they should stick to that because their original fantasy stories have not been good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to, to answer one of the possible questions, um, uh, I apologize to her if I'm butchering her last name. Hong Chow was the voice of Opal, uh, a woman. She uh, was in the, the Watchmen TV series. She was. Um, oh, yes. Uh, she was uh, the daughter. Yes. Uh, uh, Lady. Tr- uh, Lady True. Lady True. Yeah. And she was very good in that, oh, but apparently she she, so she did that. the voice. But I don't see if she w- did like the physical mm. representation of her either. But uh, now, do you think this series will continue? Like yeah. my thought right now is, will you we'll see a sequel? But I don't think it's going to go to theaters. I think this is going to be a a low no cut the budget back a bit. It's going to be a. Here's a Disney Plus movie series, and uh, going forward, and that's it. I don't see this being a unless they decide to give a number two a, a, a chance and put it in theaters, depending on what their view numbers, you know, through Disney Plus are like. And there's very well they might try that if they got enough views off of it. Yeah, yeah, I I don't think that they 
I think that it would make a better TV show at this point. Like, use this movie as an intro, and then make the rest of the books as t- as like a, a TV, not necessarily a show, but like a, um, uh, what's the word? You know, like a, that's the word, like a mini series. Yeah. yeah or even d- dump d- all well, the the name actors and yeah. recast yeah. and keep that in, as part of your budget. Yeah, so it's one of those kind of like ninety-minute movies that you can put a new one out every year. Yeah, yeah, or every couple, of, or every like six months or something like that. Maybe, you know? but uh, it would it would have to have a really good trailer for me to even bother wanting to see it. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I would bother wanting to see it, but I mean, I mean, yeah. if it was on Disney Plus, I'd probably give the second one. No, if it's yeah. make the second one and it's on Disney Plus, and I'm already getting Disney Plus. It's new content to watch. I'll probably give it a shot. Yeah, I, I don't think I would have bothered. Like you said, what if we had seen this in the theaters? I'm like, I probably wouldn't have bothered to go. No, oh, yeah, same here. I don't think I would have bothered. I'm sure the reviews for it would have been like, yeah, no, I'm not seeing that. Like, if we had decided to do this, at, like what we're doing now, a review of this movie, I would have been like, let's wait till it's on Netflix. Like, yeah. yeah. And as bad as our reviews may seem, the reviews that are out there are much worse. We're being nice compared to a lot of like other reviewers. I mean, it was it was pretty. It was nice to just kind of knit through. I was kind of half paying attention and half knitting. And I had a lot of questions at the end. Josh Gad was definitely the best part of the entire movie. Uh, no, no, no! I hated. Compared to the rest was, of the movie, he was the I, best part. <laughs> no, Colin Farrell was the best part. He I'd love to see Colin Farrell's barely in the movie. Th- that tells you how I feel about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see a movie about Artemis Fowl Senior and how cool he is, and him collecting these sort of rare magical artifacts. All right, well, then maybe you should read the books. (laughs) No. Now, previous to this, Disney tried a few other, you know, yeah, like you said, the YA novels to series. Yeah, they just can't seem to get that together. We got two movies from uh, the Percy Jackson series. Which is a shame because I've read those books and they are honestly hilarious. And I'm... My background is classical mythology. Yeah. They're great. They are great books. Okay, so what did you think of those movies? I enjoy those movies. The movies were okay. They were good enough for what they were. The books were a lot better, but the movies were okay. There's just so much you can do in books that don't necessarily translate to movies. Well, that's... No, so there is talk that Disney is looking to remake that now as a a Disney Plus series as well. Uh, I can see that. that. Um, and then, anybody remember watching the uh, the movie The Sorcerer's Apprentice? The with yeah. Cage. The one with Jay Baruchel? Oh, yeah. Nick Cage and Jay Baruchel and, uh, and what's her name uh, from uh, the vampire movies there? I vaguely remember that movie. I didn't Kristen remember Stewart? it being too terrible. Yeah, isn't Kristen Stewart, isn't she the, the female love interest? I don't know. I I don't think I've ever sat through that entire movie. You should. It's see. That's I enjoyed that movie too. It's a good Nick Cage, uh, you know, movie. Yeah, I remember it being not too bad. That totally was set up that that it was going to have like you know more movies in it or sequels, but yeah, not that never happened. And, and again, like they uh, wasn't Disney responsible for two of the Narnia movies? 
I don't know if they were Fox they, then Disney or Disney then Fox. Disney or... then Fox. Yeah, I can't remember. Those um, movies, the the new Narnia movies weren't terrible either. No, no. but again, it, it like they didn't do very well. Disney is really good at at doing sort of stuff, but they seemed to, other than you know they bought. Marvel and did the whole Avengers thing, which worked out for them. But that that YA sort of batch of stuff just sort of keeps seeming to slip them by for yeah. uh, whatever reason. Yeah, but I mean, there was really out of all of the YA books and movies, it's really just been three that have been major. Like you got Harry Potter, you've got um, Twilight, and you've got uh, Hunger Games. Those are mm-hmm. the big ones. Everything else that they've tried has not succeeded, and they've tried a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Disney did the first two Narnia movies, and uh, Fox did the other one. So now they're all under Disney's <laughs> umbrella. But They're all on Disney Plus, too, aren't they? I wouldn't be surprised. Because there's the Divergent movie. There was I Am Number Four. There's, yeah. like, there's been such a, there's been quite a few well, I guess you could kind of say that about comic book movies too, right? Like mm-hmm. it's uh, you know some of them have been knocked it out of the park, and others have been, eh. Yeah, but, they're just uh, trying to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. On uh, on a whole, I guess we Ryan's quote <laughs> still sort of sticks. Uh, yeah, we, we wouldn't really recommend it, but hey, if you got nothing to watch, it's pretty. Maybe if you're I, a kid, I, you I, might love the hell out of it. I agree. That's true. Pretty. I like that it's set in Ireland. Yeah, it's pretty. I liked the time-stopping technology. That was kind of cool. That didn't make sense, though. Nope, it didn't, but... <laughs> really? That's the part that didn't make sense to you? Well, no, but that's one of the things that I'm like, this this doesn't work. Like, even their explanation of it just doesn't make any sense of, like, why they're even using it. And then at the end when it broke and I'm like, what, ha- what's happening? What, where are they getting killed? Yeah. Are they getting sucked into things? Like what, what? I was wondering that too. Like, I didn't understand the that got whole part into the time waves. It's like, they're like running from it. Like it was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah, They kept they... saying we've lost another fairy. And I'm like, what happened to them? Uh, so, did they just, did they die? Like, yeah. It felt to me like there were a lot of things in this movie that I was supposed to know already going in and I was supposed to go, oh, my God, it's so cool. I'm seeing that on screen. Like, Artemis putting on the black suit. That was a big deal. And I'm like, why the hell is that a black de- big deal? Wouldn't he be more comfortable fighting evil in shorts and a T-shirt? Like, why did he have to yeah. put on? Yeah. I don't know the, if that was part of the book or not, but, yeah. The, the it seems to, to be on the covers of all the books he's wearing that black suit. Like, it's a big deal. But I don't know why. Why? Probably because he's, he's running a, a criminal organization. <laughs> whatever yeah the 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 niece to me is the like i i had forgotten she was a character in this movie because she serves no real purpose no nope like you could have gotten away with just having the bodyguard for all of it but she doesn't even get that much screen time no it's but she's a, a ninja master allegedly she's so good that you don't see her on screen for the hour and a half run to yeah, that's oh, one nice yes. thing about this movie is that it's short. <laughs> it is short. You you can get through it pretty quick. Um, did you have any other questions, Jen, that didn't get at, answered? Geez, I have a lot of questions. Um, who are the executors? 
what happened to the bad fairy guy? How did the Aculus get out of the dwarf? My main story was, why are they friends? The same way the dirt does. <laughs> no, didn't he reach into his gut and pull the Aculus out? He um, opened up his jaw and stuff, stuck his I, 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 think, I think he did. At that point. And then my big question was, why are they friends? Like, so all of a sudden, Holly and Artemis and the dwarf are like, we're going to fight together. And I'm like, why? You all hate each other. Well, I can see why the dwarf is on board. The fairy hates the dwarf. The dwarf loves the fairy, so that's different. I think think the dwarf and the fairy, I don't think she ever hated him. I think it's one of those, like, oh, I'm I'm a cop and you're the bad guy. Oh, you're being bad again. You know, what kind of relationships. But they should both hate Artemis. I don't know why all of a sudden he's like, you know what? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take off my glasses and I'm going to trust you. And it's like, why? There's no reason to suddenly need to trust her. There's. Well, he didn't yeah. need to trust her. I can see that she may have came around because, well, now he gave her back the thing that proves her father wasn't a bad guy and was doing something no, good. That was before that. Though I know. Why <laughs> no? I'm saying by the end, though. We're talking at the end when they're all friends. No, no. I was talking about why are they friends? Like, why does. Why did they even trust each other from the get-go? Like, why did they yeah. suddenly decide that they're going to be friends and work together? It makes no sense. No, because he took off his sunglasses. Yeah, why? That was <laughs> stupid for a criminal mastermind and a genius. He should know better than to take off the glasses that are the only thing protecting him from being mind manipulated. And then she's just like, "Well, fuck! I tried it once and it didn't work because he was wearing glasses. I'm not going to bother trying it again now that he's taken off the glasses." Like, anyway. Movie was weird. So those were my questions. I didn't understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't expect answers. It's just weird. Yeah. And if we get them, I'm not watching that movie. Probably not. I mean, I might read the book. The book, but again, from 20, 2001 to 2012 was when the books are written. So it's just like, eh. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So that's it for this episode. Uh, Artemis Fowl, not very good. No. <laughs> um, uh, next episode, I don't know what we're doing because we're still in uh, the times of COVID. So I think we should no... do another forcing. Like I, I made you guys watch Gargoyles. It should be somebody else's turn to make us watch something different. Ooh, okay, let's watch well... the Goof Troop movie. The goofy movie? The goof- yeah, the goofy movie. Okay. All right. I haven't seen that in decades. There Me we go. Neither. Next week. But I love next goofy. episode, we're going to review a goofy movie. Um, before that, there will be another episode of Sailor Snacking. Yay! And, uh, oh, just as a, a little bit of cleanup, uh, you probably heard. A short little thing that I put out, but on the off chance you didn't. Um, thank you to everybody who uh, voted for me in the the Max FM uh, Win Your Own Show contest. As it turns out, it was more of a poll than a vote, but I still got my own show. So, um, yeah, it's it's not going to change this podcast at uh, at all Much. for for you guys. It's it just might mean that uh, I might mean I'll that we're need replacing some help with Brent. It. No, and there might be an episode or two where you might have to. I doubt it. 
But we'll we'll see. This this show will continue at any rate. I don't know. Uh, I'm getting pretty good at hosting after doing sailor snacking, so I could take over, Brent. Ooh, am I going to get replaced <laughs> by Tracy? Ooh, oh. that's a good idea. <laughs> and if you think I swear, folks. <laughs> She's got a mostly a sailor, that one. Uh, but uh yeah so sailor snacking will be out in the week following this episode and then we'll return with uh, apparently a review of a goofy movie <laughs> hey i love goofy <laughs> nobody better ruin my childhood <laughs> that movie's gotten a lot of love lately so i'm looking forward to it actually yeah Unlike Artemis Fowl, I've only heard good things about a Goofy movie, and I, it, like I, like you said, it's probably been twenty years since I've seen well, it. So. And, and I mean, it'll be interesting seeing it, like seeing it, seeing it from an adult perspective. Because when we watched it, we were not adults. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yeah, I was about to say that I'm older than you are. <laughs> hey, I was not. I was a teenager. I'm sure. I don't know if I've ever seen it. So this really? Oh, I, I, I want to say that I have because I sure. know elements of it, but I do, I honestly am not sure if I know elements of it that were carried over into the TV show. You know what I mean? There have uh, been references to it on Ducktales in. Uh, oh yeah, no, but I, I like I know who Powerline is, for instance, right? It came out in 1995, so I was oh, definitely so it's a 25 year old movie. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters. I was 15. I was older than that. <laughs> All right, uh, then. So for Ryan, Jen, and Kevin, this is Brent. Are we going to do off. geek picks? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. Quick round. Lightning round. Geek picks. No, Go, no, no, Jen. No. Uh, I'll, I'll edit that part out. <laughs> Now we end this episode like we end every episode with Geek Picks. Jen, why don't you start us off this week? Okay, um, I outsourced my Geek Pick this week. Whoa. Because I didn't think of anything. <laughs> Are there people in India who do this for you? How much no, it cost you? I outsourced it to Serena. Ah. So <laughs> she's got four because I asked her and then she just started like messaging me frantically with a bunch of stuff. So here are the four. You're good until the picked. end of the summer. Yeah. Oh. Nah, I'm going to just do them all now. <laughs> These are my outsourced geek picks courtesy of Serena. She's chosen Counterpoint with J.K. Simmons, a spy oh. thriller TV show where he plays two characters and you never know which one he's playing. This would be too dark for you to watch, Jen. So I I've haven't heard seen it. nothing but good things about that show. I just Ooh. don't know where it airs up here. I have was, no idea. <laughs> it was on Epics in the States and it's about two parallel universes and spies that go back and forth between the two parallel earths. It's really oh. cool. Yeah. I, I want to say if it's on epics, I think that means crave might have it. It's called counterpoint, right? Yep. All right. So then her second geek pick was the movie stardust, which I haven't seen in forever, but it's an awesome movie. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. She also counterpoint said is on crave, crave stars. Sorry. Uh, she also said the new BBC series with David Tennant and Michael Sheen that they've created in lockdown where they argue like an old married couple and it's hilarious and adorable. I think I saw that on YouTube, like a clip of it. Uh, and then she also said, and be sure to shout out to Tom Hanks because he seems like a nice guy and could use the exposure. <laughs> oh, Serena. So I think, I've, I think I've, I've heard of this Tom Hanks fellow before. <laughs> 
I wonder what he's up to nowadays. So those are my outsourced geek picks. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks, Arena. <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> I, I have two things since we're doing multiple things. I did not outsource these. Both of these are things that I have discovered on my own. One is the Warner Brothers Entertainment YouTube channel has been putting up on Tuesdays DC documentaries. The one I watched that I really enjoyed was uh, The Heart of Batman, the documentary. Oh, of- yeah, I watched it. It's so good. Really great. They also have The Amazing Story of Superman up there. I'm going to watch all of these eventually. The Amazing Story of Superman, um, the History of Shazam documentary, um, The Secret Origin, the story story of DC Comics, Aquaman, Making an Underwater World, and The Batmobile documentary. So they all look pretty cool. I can highly recommend the Batman animated series, Heart of Batman. It was really good. A really in-depth look into one of my favorite television series of all time. Uh, the other thing I want to recommend is a graphic novel that I discovered um, on Hoopla, and that is by Jeff Lemire and Michael Walsh, Black Hammer Justice League, Hammer of Justice. It is a crossover between Lemire's creator-owned characters, Black Hammer, and the Justice League. It looks to be a fairly modern uh post new 52 justice league uh basically if you know the story of black hammer it's about a group of superheroes who are who have stopped being superheroes and have are trapped on this farm and in this story something mystical happens and those four superheroes are swapped into the dc universe for superman batman wonder woman flash and cyborg so and nobody can figure out what's going on until middle of the story and things have to be revealed so yeah it's really good i love the art style it's sort of it's lemire-ish and uh, he's a great writer so black hammer justice league hammer of justice all right ryan uh just this past weekend uh season two of one of my previous uh geek picks came to netflix so season two of the order uh is on netflix now and uh if you watch season one you will enjoy season two uh i found uh i enjoyed season two more than i than like season one was okay but you know it had to introduce everything it had to introduce a world where you know there's magical uh, secret magical orders and there's you know werewolves that hunt evil magic people and it all takes place at this one university campus but uh, season two, they're able to go out and you know have more of a story, and uh, I I liked it. I liked it more, a lot more than uh, season one, and I would recommend uh, you give both seasons a watch. Cool. So for my pick, I I too am doing two. Uh, the <laughs> first is the graphic novel. Well, the the collection of the comic book, The Old Guard. Uh, it, it's uh, written by Greg Rucka. It has become a Netflix movie that is out sometime in July, I think. And yeah. it's pretty good. I really enjoyed it. I kind of wanted to read it before the movie came out. But uh, it's it, it, and it's exactly like how the trailer for the movie is. It's the it's a group of immortals who have been around for various amounts of centuries, depending on which one of them you talk to. 
and they have been working as mercenaries. But now, with the advent of cameras everywhere and technology, they're their world, which they were able to hide in very well and, like, you know, pass away, quote-unquote, every couple of years, uh, has gotten a lot smaller. And it's uh, a, a pretty cool story. I really liked it. Um, it reminded me, weirdly, it reminded me a lot of The Losers, but with immortality. The immortal okay. losers. <laughs> um, yeah. And the, the, the last thing that I am going to... Uh, to do because it is you know a freebie thing is uh, why are you not pulling up there we go um, <laughs> is the uh, the new album from uh, Run the Jewels uh, RTJ4 it is phenomenal I am not a big hip hop guy but this is a really good album and if you want to try it you can currently download it free or if you uh, feel a little bit of social responsibility, you can download it and make a donation to uh, a number of charities that help out with uh, various uh, black and political causes right now. So um, either way, it's yeah, oh, it's so good. I, <laughs> like and like I said, not a big hip hop guy, but it's definitely worth a listen. So that's it for my geek picks. Is uh, the Old Guard comic book and Run the Jewels 4. And that's it for this show. We will be back in two weeks with a review of a goofy movie. This has been Yay. a goofy podcast. Have a good week. <laughs> See ya. Bye. It's Jeff Woods. Want to give you an update on the studio I'm building? It's 80% complete. The budget that was 40000 is now 50000 You know how they grow. It's been funded by yours truly to date. To top up the budget and bring the studio to completion, we put together a GoFundMe with multi-tiered incentives. This is the only way to buy your way into the guest list for what will be really intimate live concert performances near Blue Mountain, Ontario. The studio will also be home to the podcast and radio show and audiobooks and all the other things I do related to music. Connect through my socials at Jeff Woods Radio. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the True North Nerds. You can find us at truenorthnerds.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at truenorthnerds. To contact one or any of the nerds, you can email them at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Theme music provided by Kirby Crackle. You can find more of their music at kirbycracklemusic.com. If you like this show, please go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review us. Shit,